Welcome to Fiction to Function. I'm Sean Melton. Now I'm Seth Melton. We're beginning a series, which is very exciting for us. It's exciting and it's a little nerve-wracking uh, for me, and I'm sure probably for you too, Seth, because they are. It's it's a passion. It's something I'm very passionate about and that I care deeply about, which is uh, we're going to be talking about, and this is what this episode is specifically about, which if you. If you've seen already, if you've clicked on this episode, you realize it's it's referencing the uh, Enneagram. The Enneagram is, uh, it's basically a personality typology, I guess. It's always tricky to kind of call it these things because it gets lumped in with like Myers-Briggs and BuzzFeed and things like that. Um, it's a little bit, well, it's I find it a lot more useful than that, uh, particularly because while a lot of these other personality tests or you know assessments or whatever you want to call them have a lot of they place a lot of the emphasis on what it is that you do you're an extrovert you're an introvert um you're type a you're type b whatever this focuses more on the why it's much more uh focused around the motivation of the type yeah i mean i i wouldn't even call it a personality test as much as it is like a way to identify and classify your cognitive behaviors. Um, And it really gives you a better idea of why you might be going back to the same problems. Right. Like, so if you run into this same situation and you've always ran into it all through, let's say high school Mm -hmm. um, and then going into college. And then after that, and you have the same sort of thing set you off the same problem and you, you encounter this with your, you know, your parents, your friends, your family, it might be mm-hmm. saying something. Right. So it has a lot less to do with being like introverted or extroverted or right. or, or, or personality traits in general um, and more to do with how you negotiate with life in order to get what you want out of it. Everyone can have highs and lows and whatnot, uh, which will determine, you know, how your personality might um, be in those moments on the surface. But you mean like depending on if you're in a negative spot or not, you may seem more introverted right. or extroverted? Sure. Well, that can happen. Right? Sure. I'm just saying it's not, yeah, it's not as much. There's uh, layers to it. Yeah, there's layers to it. It's just a lot more about like your, in, your how you navigate through life. Yeah. It, like I really mind. appreciate especially the term negotiate because yeah. that's what it is. It's like we're all trying to negotiate with the world as it's happening. Yeah. Whether we recognize it or not. Exactly. And so we've been working with the Enneagram in uh, a personal and a professional capacity for a while. Um, it's almost 13 years that I've been working with it, which would have meant for you it's two days after, right? Well, I didn't really get into it until about a year after you had already been working with it. Really? It was that long? Yeah, I, yeah, I was one of those uh, people who didn't want to be put in a box and whatnot i was too yeah i i kind of got dragged into it kicking and screaming i think as you remember yeah um um, uh i want to say an old mentor has become a friend Mm -hmm. of mine uh kind of kept pestering me to get it as did a lot of my friends who were also knew this person and they all go oh has he you know have you taken the Enneagram? Did you try the Enneagram? Have you did? And I was so not about it. I was so, I, I and it, which is crazy to me now yeah. when I think about how much of a staple it's been <laughs> in mm-hmm. my life. Um, but I, I also got, 
dragged into it kind of kicking and screaming but once I took it it was really once I figured out what my type was and I kind of read you know they will they'll kind of have these lists where they say this is your basic uh, desire this is your basic fear this is uh, your kind of what causes you stress and habitually and for me when I read a lot of that stuff and I, I, I it almost moved me to tears mm-hmm. because there was stuff that I thought I was crazy for feeling that uh, it really validated well something I'd say to someone who's just getting into it or you heard about it and is like skeptical of it um, is just don't take it so seriously because although you have extremists I guess you could say in both camps I've really noticed people who are not involved with it can become quite hostile towards it and it's kind of a joke because at the end of the day you get to decide what number you relate with you get to decide if you find the information helpful or not and you get to decide if you want to implement any of that in your life so if it works for you it works for you and if it doesn't then don't bother with it right it's a tool it's a tool like anything else of this sort right and if you dive into it and give it your honest attention for a short bit of time i think you would find it a bit unsettling probably how layered some of the numbers can be um and how much you might they might start hitting the notes that you know resonate with you and stuff that you you know the way that you your mind works and whatnot um and i think that's because there's something to it i think that it works and uh and if once again if you it doesn't then you just throw it out well like you said from two people who have not who didn't weren't really particularly interested in, in no. going with it. I very quickly became an advocate for the Enneagram. Um, very quickly after, because mm-hmm. that's what, so I brought it and kind of brought it into our friends group. And uh, I guess people sort of, you know, latched onto it or took it seriously in varying degrees for a while. Yeah. And um, it became interesting. I mean, one of the one of the really interesting aspects of it, and this is one, something where I think that this Enneagram, this episode, excuse me, will, you know, uh, connect with, a wide variety of people is that this is not the, and for this episode you don't have to have seen a, a film no. um, we'll get to kind of why I feel like I want to use this mm-hmm. uh, and through this medium or we want to use this for this medium yeah. but it, it, this is it's something that's applicable to all of us and, and the really interesting thing about it is that the subject is you and so I think that that's one of the reasons when I brought it around it's like why would you not be a little bit interested? I'm asking you questions about yourself. If I sat here and asked you what your favorite coffee is and what your favorite movie is and what your favorite salt band is, the mm-hmm. subject is you, so it's of interest. Yeah. And the hope is that, you know, you talked a lot about this idea of uh, we don't want to be put into a box. Right. The whole thesis of the Enneagram is that you've kind of lived in a box mm-hmm. and the hope is to get out. Yeah. Um, it's The Enneagram is a sort of, think of it as a map of the human personality. It's not the essence of you. No. Uh, but it's a piece of you. It's a piece of you. It's a part that that kind of overworks sometimes. Um, we say a lot. It's not. It's not. It's not the essence of you. It's just how your brain works, which yeah. is kind of what you were saying. Yeah. It's where your uh, habit of attention kind of. Well, yeah. Something I've said a lot is you are, you are not the enneagram number. The or number. Type. Or yeah, 
Yeah, you are not the t- well. You are not the enneagram number. The number is you, right? Um, or type, uh, which that was something that helped me a lot personally uh, because it helps you not like over-identify with a number that you think you might be, even if you achieve or, that, or feel closed in yeah. by that same type. Right. It's just yeah. Again, it's as simple as like. Like I said, where your where your attention goes. Yeah. We talk about that a lot, you know. Um, so, the human brain is a pattern machine. Mm-hmm. It recognizes patterns. Uh, it falls into patterns and it, yeah, it, like it, cognitive categorizing. Yes, exactly. And early on, we began to recognize these patterns and we adhere to them. And for a lot of people, this is and this is so much of what the this I guess the psychology behind the enneagram is based on. Mm-hmm. It's predicated on this idea that it's like you know, immediately once you come into this world you are kind of negotiating with the world then and trying to find how you're going to, you know, get food and shelter, yeah. right? And uh, they say, you know, I guess by the time you're three and four years old, the pattern is kind of set. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the way that, you know, uh, a friend of ours has, well, a friend of ours has kids that are our age, right? Mm-hmm. But he says, he's, he's like, you'll see when you're, if, when you're a parent, your children come into this world with their temperament. Because yeah. uh, there's always kind of this question where the Enneagram is concerned, where, yeah, is it nature or nurture? And I think the answer is kind of yes. I think that it's nature because something that's interesting to think about is when they talk about the childhood wounds, um, which we might dive into more later, but it, it's an interesting topic um, that I've even talked to my wife about quite a bit Uh because your parents probably are not to blame for as much of the problems that you think they are, you know? Um, Like, so for instance, you you and I grew up in the same household. Um, We perceived the way certain things were said to us differently, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And like you could say, this moment in my life really defined me and who I am today. Um, and I could say, oh, that same thing happened to me, but it really just rolled off my back. So I think, exactly. So I think that it's like certain parts of your history are highlighted for you based on your time, based on your like uh, predisposition, I guess. Yeah. So I think they're, I, I, so what I think is that the parents treat the kids relatively the same way until they start to encounter their temperaments and personalities, you know? Sure. Um, so it's nature. And then you hoard those moments and feelings that resonate and reinforce your nature, which then turns in, turns into and makes it also become nurture and see, or it makes so it, it seem like nurture. It makes it seem like nurture. Like, Oh, I, like I life treated me this way. So I'm this way. And to some degree, it's it, it, it can be like that. If you're naturally a more, right. um, I guess, responsible type, then someone's going to kind of place that responsibility on you. If you're naturally a more fun-loving type, that's where someone will go to you for fun. Yeah. Which is another thing you have to be careful of, too, is kind of helping pigeonhole people into themselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was at a workshop with Tom Condon, who's a pretty, you know... Uh, large deal I guess in yeah. the Enneagram community and he was saying the way he said he's like the cat's out of the bag where the Enneagram is concerned mm-hmm. and 
uh, a while ago, we actually talked about this, the, one of the guys who, who really started trying to put this uh, information out there in the world, I, think, I guess he wanted to copyright the Enneagram, but mm-hmm. they were like, you know, he wasn't able to because they saw it as uh, a discovery. Like it was a fact they were treating it. So it's like you can't copyright gravity, right? And it really is interesting because uh, to while varying degrees of um, you know validity have been attributed to the enneagram based on certain mm-hmm. uh, cult, you know, crowds or you know certain belief systems or whatever it is. I think at the end of the day, um, I think that there's a lot of truth there. Mm-hmm. And I, all of that is to say that. There's a guy who's teaching a lot right now, and I think that, and he talks about the idea. He's kind of gaining some prominence, and he was he talks about this idea that we all have all of these like childhood wounds, quote unquote. Yeah. Because in the Enneagram, they talk about they kind of attribute a specific childhood wound to each type, but it's one just sticked out and it was more prominent to you. Yeah. Mom and like you said, our parents, mom and dad handled you and I very similarly. Yeah. In many ways. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is it's like a it's like a. Um, chicken and egg thing yeah because i think we would agree too that they did not handle us that way our whole life it kind of turns into something where we're training them and to how to train us yeah i think that we latch on to certain traits so you can tell one kid is responsible or one kid has a better work ethic or one kid is a lot more timid and that exists without any kind any any knowledge of the enneagram oh sure regardless uh, you know you don't need any knowledge of the enneagram in order to notice the things because they're true in the human existence well yeah and this whole idea of like and and definitive truth is always a tricky thing right mm-hmm. like when we talk about like this is true that's why it's like uh, kind of finding this stuff and really grappling with it and i think that there's people who believe in definitive truth and there's people who don't and i think that if you don't, you can kind of open a whole big box for yourself. This is like the a lot of problems with the, like the postmodern movement and things like that, right? Sure. Um, but without getting into any of that, because that's a whole other subject, where the Enneagram's concerned, when you think about this idea of, and I guess you're just going to have to roll with me in terms of truth and all that, um, because the idea is kind of that if there is a truth, if there's a capital T truth, all types see a different part of that truth very clearly. To them, that piece is evident. Mm -hmm. However, the problem begins when we start to identify with that, like over-identify with that truth. And we start to build like a personality upon that, I guess, Mm -hmm. and try to like stake our claim on this place. And it's like the whole, you know, you say this all the time, but it's like, you know, Seth says, uh, you're not a fan of people who are like only one thing. Yes. Okay, so this is a lot of what that is, right? It's like someone who's very, very, very asleep in their type Mm -hmm. is like this one thing, and it's 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 disastrous. And that's really the trick, tricky part of uh, viewing the world with this like enneagram lens or whatever you want to call it is that you're right. Whatever type you identify is, just on some level, you are correct. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Uh, The world is hurtful. People need taken care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like a lot of the world has gone very bad and needs correcting. Like there's all of these, you know, perspectives yeah, are valid. Hard. Yeah. But it's just this I- idea of over-identifying with it can be an issue. It, right. And it doesn't make you a whole person. Like you were saying earlier, uh, the goal of the Enneagram isn't to be like the best number you can be. It's to get out of the box that you've built around yourself um and get like a more full version of the best parts of every number i guess like that's like the idea before it becomes your casket (laughs) yeah right 
and I think that that happens. I used to think that that happened by like kind of understanding other types, but I think it happens by allowing yourself to be free of that thing in your brain that tells you you need to handle this like you've handled these other things because if you don't, X, right? Mm-hmm. If you yeah. don't avoid, if you don't uh, run away from this pain, then you're going to have to feel it and you're going to be stuck in it. If you're not tough and you're not, not big enough to carry this burden, then mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be vulnerable and you're going to be left hurt and the people you care about are being left hurt because your 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 number or your enneagram type or whatever it's sort of this megaphone that's shouting these you know i guess larger ideas or at least what you've built your life on is larger ideas and that's that's exactly what's happened now you've built your life upon this and now it's like your ego state your ego um and i I don't necessarily even mean that in in the sense of like you know a cocky or arrogant person Mm -hmm. it's that like loud shouting message that's going all the time and that ego is like firing on all cylinders yeah well we re we react in our type and then we get addicted to reacting in that way because it works to achieve our like desired Mm -hmm. goal um so if you are drawn to feeling to the feeling of being morally correct or helping people or being the smartest in a room or being the strongest in a room and the list goes on uh then you are able to achieve that through your programming. And if you can do that, then why would you change? You it's know? worth this long. Why would it stop working now? Yeah, exactly. And it's it's like an addiction. Uh, and you're programmed that way, like starting it from the age of, what, five or yeah, younger? About, about you I think know? three and four is where like your four. patterns start to get set. Yeah. And that pattern keeps playing out and rewarding you which all of this builds your personality. And what you won't find is that someone is like a Boy Scout and a troublemaker or a super energetic person as well as super lazy. Naturally, at least. Yeah. And that's not to say people don't go through seasons in their life or whatever. um, Or Or can behave one way in one setting and a different in another. Right, um, but it's more so like addressing the idea of people like you can't be a three and a five, or a one and a six. You know, mm-hmm. um, so if you're diving into the enneagram and want it to help the most it can, uh, you also have to play by its rules. Um, but the rules that you decide and that you resonate with, um, you know, it's not like. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, that, that's just the only way it can help you is if, you, if you're going to give it an honest shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I think that I really like what you said about the whole uh, you've solved a problem like this before and it's worked for you. And yeah. I think that that's part of the problem is that it's so interesting. I was in a, I remember I was in a, um, an Enneagram workshop once, mm-hmm. um, not too long ago. And this guy, somebody was like, you know, well, what if this has always worked? You know, he was a specific type, right? Yeah. And we'll get into that in a little bit. And um, he was a more assertive, uh, you could say aggressive type. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, this is I've, this has done pretty well for me so far. Yeah. And the teacher, God bless him, he just kind of sat there for a second in it. And he was like, so, so my, my question would be, has it worked for everybody else around you? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, this, I, that that's kind of what we're saying is like, first of all, these coping mechanisms only work for so long. Yeah. A, you might, B, you might not even realize that there are coping, coping mechanisms. And also... How is what you're describing not different than a toddler, yeah. right? I cry, and I get what the thing that I needed mm-hmm. because I cry. 
and this is just like this like evolved form of that right yeah, yeah. um and so you know now starting to kind of dive into uh the enneagram and kind of how it's set up let me give you a picture um ennea is the uh, greek word for nine and gram is the greek form for model so this is just a nine-pointed model and within that nine-pointed model so you've got nine separate personality types um and there's all kinds of things. There's wings and resource forces and all these different elements where, as you said, Seth, kind of people who think that there are multiple types or uh, there's going to be one that you're dominant in. Yeah. Um, that's not to say that you won't have aspects of other things. Uh, everybody's different. You know what I mean? Right. No uh, two fours are exactly alike, which was a, probably a bad example to use because fours often think that they're the only one like them. So. Yeah. There's no two fives that are necessarily exactly alike, or threes, sure. or ones, or whatever. Um, people are different. They're individuals. Again, this is not the essence of you. It's just how your brain works. Mm -hmm. So within this nine-pointed model, these nine different types, there are three separate triads. Mm -hmm. There is the heart, or feeling. There's the head, or the mind. And then there's the gut, or the body, or the reactionary. And so within those you know there's three you, you have three of each of those there's yeah. three heart there's three head and there's three gut mm -hmm. okay and there's all kinds of various ways that maybe we can get down to get, get into down the line where each of these types has like i mean there's like a um social a self-preservation and a intimate uh, subtype of each of those types and some are you know more naturally introverted and some more naturally extroverted yada yada, yada whatever mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of really interesting literature on all that but to for the sake in the sake of you know walking before we can run um, the there's these nine types okay and this is obviously not to say that you know if you are more uh, you're not going to be you know an intellectual person if you're a feeling-based type mm -hmm. or not to say that because you're a reactionary person you don't ever think about anything or if you're a you know more mentally focused type you don't have emotions and feelings and you don't get hurt this is nothing uh, like that we all just have these different ways and different aspects of the personality sphere that we kind of connect with and there's a place where we kind of spend most of our time um, I thought briefly about bringing our friend Trevor in here because uh, he used this really good analogy, but I'm sure you'll you'll hear him um, in this Enneagram series at some juncture. Uh, but he talks about, he, he referred to the Enneagram as a house, and he said that there's different areas of the house and you spend, you know, more or less time there. And uh, at the end of the day, your dominant type is kind of your room. That's where you spend your most time. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is that your room, let's say, is on one of three floors. And that's just where you live. More often than not, you're um, you're gonna you you are a naturally reactive type, or a naturally uh, mentally focused type, or a naturally feeling oriented type. And so that's that that's the gist of it, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got these three different um, triads, and we'll get more into them in a second. In terms of why do this for fiction to function, I think that. Uh, and we talk about this a lot. I think that you can maybe like learn. You can learn a lesson through a parable, right? Mm -hmm. And the parable doesn't have happen have to have happened to you specifically for you to have learned that lesson. So with any hope, you can almost treat that character as an avatar for if I continue 
in these the or you know it can go one of two ways like if I, either a you know on one side these are the strengths and the the, the beautiful aspects to a team that i i give right mm-hmm. like every team has an incredible hulk right yeah and they have a hawkeye and they ha- and that's a beautiful energy that exists there but if you over identify with this specific way of thinking can it go really can it become really destructive for you yeah um and i found that i, I mean the answer is yes yeah. right right uh anything done to overindulgence is an issue including ourselves <laughs> yeah and so if you can learn these lessons that are applicable to your own life without having to go through those things yourself, that's hugely beneficial to you. Um, you know, like we say, like you don't need to fight aliens to figure out, you know, what you would do in a high-stress yeah. situation. Well, and then the, on the flip side, like it's not to say, like if you're, if you're going into something that should be said when diving into fiction and, and using the Enneagram is like for one like 90% of these people I believe probably don't know about the Enneagram when they're writing these fictional characters right Right. we've talked about that yeah absolutely so but with that being said seeing as the Enneagram does make a lot of logical sense you know what I mean like uh, you you can you can Enneagram fictional characters Sure. Um, with that being said, it also doesn't take them off the table for other people relating to them. Yes, um, that's a good point. So, like, you don't want to, like, it's not like, well, you know, that's a huge thing, and it's immature, and it seems Im- immature, but it's like, I, I, people deal with it, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that that's definitely something um, that can happen where it's like, man, I can't be this because I'm, you know, yeah, they're this number, and it's like, that. you know, that's not... You, you don't want to do that either at all, you know? Well, and I think um, that that brings up two, like, like well, two excellent points in terms of, like, if you're watching something and it's the, someone is the type that you aren't. Yeah. The first is that, like, you're able to connect and understand motivations behind different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's extremely important. This goes back to that idea where I, I, we t- I've talked about before, but where there was a recent study that said that people who read fiction... Yeah. Um, tested in higher levels of empathy and that's mm-hmm. not a huge shock because you're thinking in a different character's perspective right and so when you watch civil war you go i see where tony's coming from i see where steve's coming from yeah um but also i think that understanding that that can exist inside of you and you're not like sort of damned by your mm-hmm. own you know restraints yeah. you can move outside of them right so it's like if you're this shy quiet kid mm-hmm and you really admire Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. There, are, you can, you can tap into those elements. Yeah, without it being disingenuous, they will make you a, a, a more of who you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. In a healthy way, you know? If you admire Batman, this isn't to say to be fake or to be phony. Uh-huh. And you know, going again, you know that one of the, the I mentioned it earlier, but there's a there was one uh, Enneagram conference I went to where the teacher was saying, you know, he was like, you know. Uh, one guy told him uh, his goal for a course, this is, you know, a couple years back or whatever, but he said that some gentleman came up to him and said, my goal for this course is to get rid of my ego. And he just kind of was like, you know, your ego heard you say that. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get rid of yourself. So don't mm-hmm. just fake to try to be somebody else. But at the same time, if you admire Batman because he's strong and confident and because he's intelligent and because mm-hmm. he's vigilant and he is justice-seeking then those those well those it, qualities must must exist in you yeah, right for you to admire exa- them so much exactly and then also on the negative side of it you know like it's like every number can become like 
bitter and disenchanted with life yes. and whatnot. But with that being said, let's say even like bitterness, there might be a few numbers that are more prone to falling into that. Sure. And so you could be one number, you could identify as one number and watch a character that is headed down a road that you're headed down and they're not your the same number as you're, you but it's same like, type right yeah and it's like you can still learn a lesson from absolutely because that, you know I mean? that, that's a, so so yeah i mean i just think that it seems um almost seems obvious to say that but it, it also like i would i would say for people that are so skeptical of it it's not like you know this stuff isn't like it it's not going to be on your will, you know what I mean. Sure. You're not you're not uh, signing your like birth right away when you well, and to be identify on, as a number. And to be honest, with you, what's really funny is I would ask the question like, are you naturally introvert or extroverted? Do you believe in yeah. that? Like, to what right. degree are you going to kind of? Would you agree that there seem to be different sort of energies that people have? Yeah. Would you agree that your grandmother and your father or whatever have mm-hmm. a similar sort of uh, energy that they yes, bring. Right. It's like, it's it's that simple and it gets tricky when you start to use, like you said, there's a lot of skeptics out there and and I don't blame you if you are, I guess, um, because I was, so yeah. I have to like make allowance for that. But again, it really is just kind of, it, the whole thing is just based around where your habits of attention tend to get fixated on. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. And I think that if you're a person who is uh, overly perfectionistic mm-hmm. or overly self-effacing or overly uh, intense or yeah. overly emotional. I think that if you struggle with any form of issue, you could probably learn from from it. Yeah. From, from well, this. Well, right. And what's helped me the most is viewing the Enneagram as a tool for myself and for others. You know, it's something where uh, categorizing it in that realm of like being a... Uh, productive thing that makes life easier yes that's i mean that's essentially what a tool is you know what i mean right it makes a job easier and it makes my job easier with humans you know absolutely uh and with myself so one of the quotes that we use a lot when we're we're doing you know enneagram workshops or we're working through people or we're doing some form of counseling and we're um suggesting this as you said as a tool to maybe kind of uses i want to almost say like a shortcut like the guy who introduced me to this he said that who is funny he actually came into it very skeptical as well i don't know if you knew this mm-hmm. um yeah i did his mother had some book mm-hmm. about it and he was like i'm not doing that at exactly. all sure. and he and, and he got you know this happened right? right and then he gave it to me 15 years after that mm-hmm. but he told me he was like you know he says he almost he looks at his cheating <laughs> Yeah, a cheat sheet. A cheat sheet of you seeing like, oh my gosh, like this is where, which I, and here's where it's not cheating is it takes a lot of hard work to look at yourself and identify your own BS. Yeah. Okay. And that's really what it is, is this, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a tool to help you get out of your own way. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the quotes we usually use that I really like is it gives us a language with which to talk about our differences without judgment. Okay. And I really love that because it allows me to talk to somebody who identifies, let's say as a I don't care, four, two, three, and go, do you think that maybe you're doing this because of this? Well, communication is key, and it's like words have power. So right. you can put words to the way you're feeling or yes. the way you handle. Once again, you can think, I mean, 
granted i'm not it, we're not selling this you know right but it's like we're doing a podcast on it sure it's something that is kind of weird so and uh, and it matters know. to me it, it, it's something that's helped me in, immensely and so and, and what i, would I hope say, it would help someone else well what i would say is like doing for me doing my research into it and gra- another thing you're not supposed to do by the way is like enneagram oh, other people yeah we're gonna get there i know we'll get there but i'm just saying like i will notice someone's a certain way and if i handle them the way I think that they are portraying themselves to be, like in that spectrum of the numbers, sure, right. So whether it's aggressive or not aggressive, or or very passive, and they're not really saying their opinion. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. and I, I'm like, well, what do you want to speak up or exactly? Like, you know, it's it's easy to it, it's just is so whether I don't even know what some of these people's numbers are, but it's like in a work area, it makes me. Like a champion for the people, yeah. In a way, it makes you more I'm mindful. Able, yeah, it makes right. you more mindful yeah. of different elements and different perspectives that people have, and understanding that it doesn't matter what this guy has, but he seems like he's not saying something he might want to, yeah. but he's afraid to. Or it sure. seems like this guy's being hard on everybody, but he's also being hard on himself. Yeah. Or it seems like this guy's really just trying to like help the situation, but he's like crowding everybody. Mm-hmm. And if you understand, okay, there's just generally there's yeah. different perspectives out in the world, right? And maybe kind of looking into a little well, bit more why saying. they think that way well, that's what i'm saying look into it see why people think the way they do and if you handle them like that and like communicate with them whether you know their number or not like honestly it just makes you a better human it also it's easier funny. for you right it's easier for you but it makes you a better human yeah. for yourself and for them Absolutely. and for everyone you can like there's been so many situations that i've kind of like addressed people the way that they you know meeting them where they're at yeah right? well what whether it was the whether, whether it was with the enneagram or with some sort of other like serious um introspective work yeah i shudder to think of the person i would be if i wasn't doing this sort of work for 13 years right yeah sure sure because i'm still like not always like no a joy to be around right like you right. know what i mean um which is kind of goes to this point that uh well i guess we'll go here now yeah um you're going to be dominant in one type, mm-hmm. and that's not going to change over time. And that's what I was just talking about with myself, yeah. right? Is you'll see, and it's really funny. Sometimes I'll be like, "Man, I made a whole lot of progress with myself. I don't even think like this anymore ever." And then someone will hit that button in me that yeah. specifically sets that thing off because it's the same thing that set something off in me when I was, yeah, twenty-five, yeah. and when I was fifteen, yeah. and I was four. Yeah. And so that thing kind of, and it brings you back there and you kind of just like blow up for like a second inside. However, sure. you find yourself going down those roads. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I mean, and the hope is kind of, you know, we talk about this a lot where it's like, I walk down a road, I fall on a hole. It's not my fault. I walk down a road and I walk around the hole. I hit my head on a branch. It's not my fault. I walk down the road. I move around the hole. I duck around the bench and, you know, some bicycle rider like comes and like smacks me with their bike. It's not my fault. I walk down a different road. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like eventually you start to see maybe that same way of dealing with things is not going to get you what you thought it's you needed. It's not your best strategy. It's not your best strategy to yeah. get, again, to be honest with you, what we're normally trying to get, mm-hmm. a lot of it kind of comes down to desiring to get love. Mm-hmm. And to, you know what I mean? Um, but you, so your type's not going to change. Um, and you might have stronger connections to certain types, and this especially can be based on your parents and the, the experience, your experiences growing up yeah. and the society, the society that you're in. There's different people who have different pl- proclivities to types that maybe they aren't. Um, but there's going to be a core, and I find for me one of the examples I use is kind of like when you're going to bed at night, what's the last stuff kind of running through your head? Where sure. do you normally go? 
Right, and something that will also help you if you're if you look into the enneagram enneagram after this episode, or if you already are working with it or whatever. I mean, something that will help you a lot, I would think, um, in trying to you know really pinpoint what number you are is taking into consideration wings and resource points. Yeah, because it's like there's a reason why. That's what's so cool about the enneagram is that, and that's something that's really sold me on it is the fact that it's intricate in that way where it's like it really does address like almost every area that i can go sure you know because you'll have certain and what what seth's referring to is again when you look at this type you see these mm -hmm. numbers around this circle there's the a wing is having the attributes uh, and sometimes people some people claim you have a dominant wing some people claim you kind of have both i think that i'm of the school that you have a dominant that's what Mm -hmm. it seemed to be in my my experience um, and it will be the number either to your type. That's another thing people do. They'll say I'm a two with a five wing, and you're you're not. You have either a one wing or a three wing there. Yeah. Um, and you also have resources, and the lines on the enneagram draw, and they connect to different types, and you have different. There's all kinds of intricate yeah. things about it. Um, but you will have a dominant. Yeah. And I think that a, a, another good thing to look at if you're reading the enneagram, if you're taking some online tests or assessments, um, it might be good because the hope is that you've grown as a person. So if yeah. you're a 43 year old woman and you are like i don't know all these types seem kind of extreme to me it's a it's a generally a good uh rule to take a look maybe in your early 20s yeah and see where you're you know kind of very younger that. but yeah it I could mean, be yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. um and seth brought this up but the one rule like rule rule uh, that is like you know for the most part the enneagram is about a lot of like understanding where a person's coming from mm-hmm. and so um, obviously so long as you're not doing anything you know explicit illegal or <laughs> harming other people um, ask the questions you need to ask try to figure out what's going on yeah you know like it's like it, there's a lot of stuff still being figured out the the big thing that we say you can't do um other than the in terms of you know your questioning and your your internal process is to type other people well the reason why you shouldn't do that and it's not even smart to do that and we've we've learned this we've learned this being involved with it for as long as we have is that once again it doesn't have to do with why people are angry or why people it, it does have to do with why people but it's like it anger, doesn't have to do with the anger, fact that they are angry anger exactly anger is not the uh determining factor of what the person's number is right or being um uptight and anal or being um Evasive worrying all the time or, yeah you know absolutely. you don't know what people have been through you know you right. never know what anyone's been through and with that being said like you know that's where it's like there's a reason why people do what they do and they can be in healthy areas they can be in unhealthy areas the numbers look different with and yeah so it's it, it's just not a good thing to go around being like well that's exactly you don't know other people's motivations yeah. also it's rude um, yeah, <laughs> but that's why and it's, it's because, obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, super it's rude, it's obnoxious, yeah. and and the biggest thing is that you don't know other people's motivations, so you mm-hmm. can't you can't go and say, "Mom, you're a four. Mm-hmm. and this is tricky, you know. Like there's and especially if you have someone in your life who, uh, as we experience, is not interested in looking into it. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's where it's very helpful for yourself to realize, you know, some terms we use is maybe they present a certain way. Yeah. Maybe your mother presents as a two and she has forever. And if she won't take it, maybe it's good to 
adapt some of those strategies and how you might deal with the two and see if it helps. Yeah. See if it helps. Yeah. And if it doesn't, then maybe and that's, that's what I was trying to say. Don't tell them what they that's are. That's what I was trying to say earlier. It's like you know, like this person, like for instance, a good example would be like this person's super aggressive. They might be an eight. They might be a counterphobic six. They might be an aggressive one. Right. Whatever the case, I'm going to be very honest with them. Right. 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 In everything I do, and because maybe that will help. And, yes. And does it help? It does. That's what I'm saying. You and know, so, so. Right. And so, and and I apologize again, by the way, if we're throwing out a lot of terms for you. I promise it's going to get clear really quick. Um, like counterphobic six. Yeah. But because oh, it's right. like there's a lot of, sure. but no, but, but there's yeah. there's a lot to it all. Um, yeah. But each person needs to kind of work out their type for themselves because it's a lot of inner work. Um, and with that said, when we make examples of fictional characters, uh, we don't apply this rule to them so harshly, first of all, because they're not going to get their feelings hurt or by our all. projections. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like we don't – it doesn't really matter um, in a sense. Uh, and secondly, because, again, we're going off of how they present. Um, and when we see a lot of behind-the-closed doors of these fictional characters, uh, kind of we, we, we get a get greater glimpse into maybe what their motivations might be. Um, and so all the types that we've listed, because we're gonna, I'm gonna use fictional examples to, you know, discuss the types. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've only really listed people who we found to be pretty clear examples, um, as opposed to those which might be debatable. Like there's a lot of characters who I really think might be a two, right? But I, I, I could see the argument for a four, and so I'm not gonna bring it well, up. And this is where we're headed, by the way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is where. So yeah. And, you know, lastly, uh, as we've stated a good few times, it's not you entirely. It's a piece of you based largely on where your attention goes. It's how your brain works. Um, it's, uh, you know, and, and, and your type also has a, a helpful energy you bring to the world. So don't also criticize yourself too harshly because mm -hmm. of any of these. Um, they bring beautiful gifts naturally. Again, they see one part of the truth very clearly. You just don't want to allow... Um, your programming to become your master, right? Yeah. Uh, and so with that, let's go into it. This is sometimes a little bit confusing um, in terms of uh, how we kind of address the types mm -hmm. because what's tricky is they're, the types list, and this is why when you, you've heard us say types or numbers, they list from one through nine. There's, there's nine different personality types, um, and they're often referred to as that number. They also have names, which we'll explain to you. Uh, but for the most part, they are um, usually referred to as their, as their number. Mm -hmm. And what's tricky is that the one lives in the reactionary space, um, and then the two, three, and four are in the feeling-oriented. Uh, the five, six, and seven are in the um, kind of the headspace. Mm -hmm. And the... 8 and 9, again, are reactionary. So it goes 8, 9, 1, reactionary, 2, 3, 4, heart, uh, 5, 6, 7, mind. But we're going to start with 1, um, just because... 1 to 9, yeah. It made sense to us in this moment now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll start starting with at type 1. That is the called the reformer or the perfectionist, mm -hmm. is most often what it's called. Um, this type is ethical, it's orally. Rules, procedures, matters of right and wrong, or there, these are things that are very important to a type one, um, but not mindlessly. Uh, these are the, those those ideals, this sort of like state of, of perfect being. It's important to them because it sort of represents this callback to order and goodness, 
um, that they believe is, is missing. And maybe it was once attained at another lifetime or on somewhere else above us, but we haven't attained it ourselves. And so they're trying to bring some of that order and that goodness back to a messy and corrupt world. Um, as if being able to fix this one small piece of the world would be enough to make some sort of difference. Uh, except that often it doesn't seem to stop there for them. Um, if they're not careful, these types can move on from that small piece to trying to correct everything else. They're mm -hmm. incredibly, they can be incredibly critical of themselves. Um, they can be incredibly critical of others, which is often perceived by others as just them being, you know, a stickler, a stickler, yeah. but it's, be, they're, they're harder on themselves than, than anybody with mm -hmm. that. Um, but again, so this is a type where moral goodness and this uh, ideal state is, is what is so important to them. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I tried to, so with each number, I try to come up with like my own little nicknames with them. Um, oh, I love this. Yeah. I'm learning this now. Which uh, I didn't do with all the numbers at all, but like with the ones I kind of was like, uh, like a boy scout. Yeah. Which I think is good. Absolutely. And then a choir boy. If uh, there was like a religion or something that um, ones would fall into, it would be you know catholicism yeah it's very because rules it's oriented very um rule, you, you uh, yeah. if if something uh they it can also be it's a, very a clean well it can be a breeding place for for obsessive compulsive disorder yeah because there's this idea that if i do this bad thing then a good thing happens mm -hmm. obsessive compulsive disorders can be very common in ones yeah um which yeah. largely has to do with this sense of right and wrong you know yeah and so some some uh examples of type one in fiction would be nicholas angel from mm -hmm. hot fuzz um, which is a little bit more obscure than we like to kind of go with, but uh, it's hard when, like, that's his entire basis. Um, mm -hmm. He's very rule-oriented. He's very uh, bent on following procedures. Um, Rabbit from Winnie the Pooh, which mm -hmm. is interesting because actually all of the... You'll find a Winnie the Pooh character in every type, which kind of goes off that idea that you were talking about, Seth, where you said, you know, obviously a lot of writers don't write this way, but yet mm -hmm. somehow there's every type is represented in Winnie the Pooh, yeah. which I think I've also heard that they all represent certain psychological disorders, okay. which wraps as OCD. So there you go. So it's uh, like, maybe that's where that truth lies. Yeah. Hermione Granger mm -hmm. from Harry Potter, uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America. There's yeah. a lot of that idealism in there. Um, in Inspector Javert from mm -hmm. Les Mis, you know, uh, I never shall yield. Mm -hmm. uh, um, stars is like all a song about how things used to be and why can't they be that way anymore um leslie nope from parks and recreation and then uh i i wanted to throw this one in there just because i'm i i just love her so much and she's actually not a fictional character but there's been enough fictional renditions of her that i thought i could use her as joan of arc okay. um again you're talking about like a, a reformer right yeah and also angela from the office yeah by one. yep absolutely um, and uh, Michael Michael Bluth. Yeah, um, you think so? I think yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's kind of like the the good boy in yeah. the crew. Yeah. yeah, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. and then type twos. Type twos are uh, often called the helper or the servant, um, or the giver or, or the, the martyr. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and they are. Uh, this is starting if you haven't maybe guessed from the names our um, entry into the feeling-based types. Yeah. And so the type twos are, this is somebody who is going to be, they're naturally giving. They're naturally generous. Very nurturing. Um, 
yes, they're they're there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not concerned with uh, aspects in themselves. Um, it's funny. Uh, I actually just recently heard, um, and you know, put a pin in this, I guess, but that Mother Teresa, uh, from an Enneagram teacher, recently spent a lot of time with her and I think she's an eight actually which is mm-hmm. interesting but a lot of people use her spirit as a type yeah. two yeah. um a type so they're, two. they're people people pleasers sure but not in a way that like or they're people people or what, what would you call that they're i guess people, they're, they're people people they're people people that is and, it yeah and, they're people, yeah, people. And, and not in a social way uh-huh. as much as like in a way that and they can be people pleasers but yeah. yeah yeah exactly but i don't know yeah. what that line is for them in a way right. because they really feel um like other people are more important than them right. they're a lot of the times well, they they'll define... read like body language yeah. and they're very like vigilant in that way but and then they'll like you know supply you with what you need without you even knowing it sometimes you right know? um that can be one of the the difficult things is other people these sorts of the the these are the, uh, so many twos i've known have to find themselves based on the people around them. They see it as part of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they are kind of there for the crew. They're there for or or for a specific person. Um, the The danger can be, first of all, that they can become very uh, proud. Um, I've heard it explained to me by a, a two very close to me that uh, very close to both of us that. Uh, they are the one that can go without. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, they see themselves as, if they're not careful, they can they can slip into kind of seeing them, so they can, into pride. Mm-hmm. Um, they are also can become, you know, people-pleasing. They can become self-martyring. Yeah. yeah. And the difficult thing is that for a two, the goal for the two, if the goal for the one is to be good um, and to be morally uh, to be morally good and to have integrity, the goal for the two is to be there for others and to love others and and connect with uh, this kind of servanthood to them. The tricky thing is is that the two tries to get love that way, whether they realize it or not. Yeah. And so, in a tricky place, you can see this sort of attitude where a, a type two. Um, maybe doing things for someone and not feeling like they're receiving love, even though they say they're not trying to receive love, like we all do need yeah. it and they really need it because they're naturally nurturing people. So they're naturally um, bent towards this emotional uh, piece of, of, yeah. of love and, yeah. and people have different love languages. And they're uncomfortable and... with you doing it for that's what's really tricky. Yeah. They're on, they can be very uncomfortable with you yeah. doing it for them, but, but they, they want it, but they do want it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's rough. They're all rough. Yeah. Um, some examples of a type two are going back to the uh, sorry the Winnie the Pooh thing, mm-hmm. the Win- the Winnie Potter thing, uh, Kanga. You know you've got this mothering, naturing um, energy. She's kind of I guess the closest thing to a grown up. Well, mm-hmm. her and Rabbit I would suppose um, in the Winnie the Pooh world, but she's the closest thing to a kind parent in the Winnie the Pooh world in terms of the animals. Superman, yeah, um, Clark Kent, uh, the Man of Steel. He yeah. is uh, his kind of whole purpose on earth has become to take care of it well i think that he gets confused as a as a one sure you know what i mean because he's like but but, you know because he's kind of a stickler himself he wants to do the right thing yeah 
But you'll find that with twos, you know, twos. Oh, absolutely. You know, they're, they're, and they're right they're, next door to that yeah, one, so exactly. that space can kind of really easily get there. And that's a good example of, like, wings, like, being a big deal. Yeah. So it's like, are you the perfect helper, or are you the helper who helps perfectly? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, the more that you read about Superman, yeah, there haven't been, unfortunately, a lot of, or any, really good adaptations. Mm-hmm. Um, Sally from, uh, this one's a little bit more out there, but I think, again, it was such a strong example of Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. You know, her whole whole thing is to be there for Jack Skellington and to kind of look out for him. And, and um, she's a good example. Mrs. Potts mm-hmm. from Beauty and the Beast. Peter Malark from The Hunger Games, that whole, you okay. know, uh, series. He's, uh, you know... Again, you're talking about a person who is naturally others-bent, specifically where Katniss is concerned. Yeah. Um, these are obviously can be a very romantic type as well, as you might imagine. Yeah. There's probably a lot of uh, heroes in, um, you know, Harlequin love novels with the topless, like, a shirtless man carrying a woman in a wedding dress. Right. There's probably a lot of twos living in that world. Yeah. Um, and uh, Katara from Avatar The Last Airbender is also a very good example of a two. This okay. sort of healing yeah. energy. Um, well, because it also... Something we, we should address. I mean, it's hard because I don't know how deep we're going to dive into this. But Katara, even with you mentioning Katara, even Superman. But it's like, you know, they also... Um, they, they are connected to the eight, which we'll get on to later. But like, you know, like they... Do you think they, she is one? Who? An eight? Katara? No, no, no. Okay. I think she's a two. I could see a two. I, don't, I, I guess I haven't put too much thought into it. But whatever the case... Um, you know, they also don't get, like, they're not just like, you don't just walk on them. Like, yeah. that's not a trait of a two. A two is actually very, can be very aggressive romantically, uh, you know, um, socially. Sure. Uh, emotionally. Well, they're, you know, they are, they're, they are they're intense. I would say yeah, they're intense. I would say so too. They're, you know? you're talking, they, they are we're not talking. Deep. We're not talking about someone that will do whatever you ask them to do. We're talking about someone that's going to do whatever they think you need them. to Well, they're do. deeply caring. They, they think you need them. Yeah, they're deeply caring. They're ever helpful and they're compassionate. Yeah, and passions in that word. Yeah, and they are. Yes. Um, type three is called the performer or the achiever. Yeah. Um, this is again in the heart space, and if the two gets their love by. Caring for other people, the type three gets their love by looking good, yeah. living life and looking good doing it. Yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, I would say the charmer. Absolutely. Call, like, is like the charmer. Oh, what's or, your name for a two? Um, Did you say the that? giver or the martyr? Oh, that was like, it. I was trying okay, to think cool. of like a positive and negative a little bit just because, like, for instance, like a two, like they, they are giving. Sure. You know, they're very giving. It's like, but also they're like martyring. And I don't know if you've ever met someone who's like a martyr. But it over stupid things, but it's very frustrating. Sure. You know, it's very unhealthy. So what are your names for the three? Well, three, I was trying to think of it, but I'm like, you know, I would say like a charmer. And that's actually positive and negative, I feel like. Sure. Because it's like, you know, I don't think that being charming is a negative thing. I know it almost like, it, it almost, you could think of it like a deceitful thing. Yes. But it's like, char, you know, being, char, being, being charming is like quite a strength, you know, especially, sure. and I've seen people specifically threes use it for good you know absolutely um but also a role model 
Yep. We've talked, you know, and I know that that's they really can a, be. a card on one of the tests, but it's like, you know, it's like they really are like the pinnacle of like a productive person. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, the in three energy is, is it's an important energy because what you're talking about with this sort of person is the uh, a person who is, they're often optimistic, mm-hmm. they're go-getters, they get the job done. Um, they are, uh, it's so funny, an adjective often used to describe the three is attractive, but you will find threes that it, that doesn't necessarily have to do with the physical appearance. Mm-hmm. It's an air that they bring. Yeah. It is an attractive air. It's an air that you want to be around. Yeah. Um, the threes at their absolute best are kind of out there saying, I'm the best and so are you. Yeah. And if you're standing next to a three, you can feel like you can do awesome. anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, they are uh, uh, very um, hard. You know, again, when we talk about the wings, it's going to be one of the things on either side of you. So the threes wing would either be a two or a four, which are both heart types. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're all heart. Um, a friend of ours has said, uh, he said, he said uh, in an Enneagram panel we did once, he's a self-identified type three, and he said that he was, it took him a while to figure out that everything he did was based out of feelings. Yeah. Um, and that can be the, the difficult thing for the three is that they have a conflictive relationship with their own feelings. They feel like they shouldn't need them, but you'll notice what I said, they feel like they shouldn't need them. They feel like they don't, they shouldn't have to get any sort of emotional um, uh, payback yeah. for what they're putting out. And they feel off, they can often feel like feelings are a um, sidetrack, a distraction. Yeah. They will sidetrack well, them from their goal. They're very productive and they're very um, efficient. And those are terms that specifically uh, efficient would get used for like a piece of equipment. Sure. It's an efficient piece of equipment. So it's like they're kind of what's so weird. I mean, they're, they're almost a, like an enigma to me because it's like they're it's like all feelings, but it's like they're almost the most detached from the the feelings right which it's like they're of two minds which is like of two worlds which is uh which is like lines it's tricky well and that and that's you kind of hit you kind of hit it right there the 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 issue kind of becomes when you're on that path and you're trying to be efficient and you're trying to go and the hard the difficult thing is is you're trying to go and you don't have time for feelings but because you want to look good and that's how you get your juice so you're getting your juice from looking good and that's how you're getting love yeah but no one's um, affection for you or mm-hmm. no one's kind words is enough for long enough yeah. it's wow you look really good today but then you need it more instantly mm-hmm. um, and what it can do and what it can lead to is deceit yeah. deceit to yourself and deceit to other people and this yeah. is the dark side of the three mm-hmm. the dark side of the three is lying to achieve a goal Yeah. the dark side of a three is um, cutting corners to get a job done, which may, might be okay sometimes, but like again, when is the exception and when is the rule? And if you're stuck in that mindset and you're always cutting corners, eventually the facade falls through, which I don't envy. I always feel bad for. I've yeah. had a lot of threes talk to me about not knowing exactly what they want. But they're usually the person that walks into the room and you like them. Yeah. Whether you should or not, you know, so. Some examples of the type three yeah. are Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Iron Man, yeah. which I think is a great example of that, uh, seeing the, the whole spectrum of the negative aspects all the way to the positive. Sure. Um, it's like, I look up to Iron Man. I'm going to be real with you. Like, Absolutely. You know what I mean? More yeah. time goes on. I'm like, I just adore Tony Stark. Yeah. Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. This is a great example. 
um, of a Type 3, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into maybe at some point more. Yeah. Um, Jay Gadsby. Now, I hear some people talk about him as a 4, but I can't... I think that the whole thing for Gatsby is this idea of pining over a, a lost love and then building an entire facade to look like you are successful yeah. in order to gain that person. I agree. Um, it's one of those heartbreaking characters. It's one of those. To me. It's one of those cliches that I get very frustrated in the Enneagram community in general because it's like it's it, due to the fact that it's a romance. It's like that's probably why you think that. And it's right. Like, well, guess what? Threes can love people too. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's not mind boggling. Type um, Rue, going back to the, the the Winnie the Pooh okay. aspect, um, he's kind of always doing something. He's always kind of building a jet or trying yeah. to fly a paper plane or whatever. Um, he's he's a doer. Uh, this one is really funny for me and I really appreciate, but is Gaston. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have antlers on all of my decorating. Yeah. But it's all like, look how good I am. Look how beautiful I am. Look, look what's going on. And that's yeah. obviously the, the darker side. Um, some other f- kind of fun examples are Professor Gilroy Lockhart mm-hmm. from Harry Potter. And uh, I actually really think that James Potter, from what we know about him, sounds like he was a type okay. three. Yeah. Um, Schmidt from New Girl. Absolutely. He's a three. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, um, now one, this one's pretty abstract, but, uh, he's a pretty good example is, um, Dr. Hammer from, uh, Dr. Strangelove. Am I saying that right? This is really funny. Are you, you're not talking about Captain Hammer. Captain Hammer. From... From Talk to Horrible Sing Along Ball. Yeah, I haven't done research. I really love off my brain. Yeah. <laughs> I really love that. Yeah, we, we don't have to edit it. No. <laughs> but yeah, Dr. that guy. Um, Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion, yeah. yeah Nathan yeah. Fillion, yeah. He's a kind of an unhealthy probably. Yeah, and by the way, I mean, if you have not seen Dr. Yeah. Horrible Sing Along Blog, you should probably do that tomorrow. never do an episode on it, but that's why I thought I'd bring it up. Yeah, also, yeah. That's a great, that's a, that's a really good example. Home, so. Oh, God bless her. Yeah. Shout out to Hope. Yeah. Hope, you're listening. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> type four. Type four. Type four we call the individualist or the romantic. In terms of the feeling triad, this is probably the most um, forthright or or uh, evident, I guess, maybe, if you were talking about a feeling-oriented person, to, a, to, to an extent. Um, on one hand, it's like if you have a four in your life, you might never know. On one hand, you definitely know on uh, the other. Um, but it, it, this type is very um, special is kind of the word. Okay. They, they don't necessarily connect to the mold Mm -hmm. um they don't identify with the mold they think outside the box they live outside the box uh they are often eccentric um introspective uh deeply thoughtful um they spend a lot of time inwardly this is interesting Mm -hmm. because if you see uh, all the type, the, the the triads you'll see, and we talked about this a little bit. I, I thought I wouldn't go into this, but I guess I am a little bit. There's kind of one that goes um, inward, one that goes outward, and one that is kind of conflicted within itself. And so if for the heart types, they all um, connect to either worth or shame. These are kind of their mm-hmm. focus of attention. Uh, the That kind of plays out in... in, in, in for the, for the two, their feelings go outwards towards others. For the three, they're really conflicted. And for the four, they are very inward focused. And so um, they'll spend a lot of time ruminating on what it is that they're feeling and what it mm-hmm. is that they're going through. They tend to be incredibly original. They tend to be incredibly artistic. 
they tend to be incredibly creative. Um, the energy that they bring is absolutely excellent in those areas. And for me, I have found that they put feelings to words or pictures or lyrics or music in a way that is like supernatural. Yeah. They, well, they're uh, super authentic. They're incredibly being, authentic. Of being human. You know? Well, authenticity is the, that's the focal piece for the four, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Is I want to be the real deal. Um, sure. Now, unfortunately, they can struggle with whether or not they are the real deal, mm-hmm. uh, which is really, again, sad. Well, there, there's, there's this, I mean, like I would almost, I would call them the dreamer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and with that being said, it's like, it's hard because it's like, you know, dreams are uh, uh fickle bitch, I guess you could say. Sure. You know? they're, they're, you can definitely fall victim to dreaming, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And it can also you know, motivate you to do great things. And I think that fours in general, you know, uh, deal with that. Absolutely. Um, so, and I think that, and, and, and that's, they're probably in their heads the most out of the three. Well, yeah, they're definitely inward right? focused, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mean out of the three heart types? Yeah. Out of the three heart types. Yeah. Well, and it, it helps that they're next door to that five, mm-hmm. you know, they've, they, which is the, where we'll start into the, the mind centric types. But the, the four is, again, they're very, uh, I mean, they're, they're called the individuals for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, these, uh, these types are, again, they're, they're deeply feeling, um, but not just, they, they can also be deeply empathetic. Yeah. Um, on one hand, like you talked about feelings and how they can easily become selfish, and I think that this is a really good example where they can become a virtue or a vice. Mm-hmm. Because the, the fear for the four is letting the feelings run the show. Yeah. Um, and if you overindulge in those feelings, um, it can really be difficult. Uh, well, they're, like, is, they're probably the most human, whether you like it or not. Yeah. You know, most um, honest about being human at yeah, least. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly it. And, and again, so you're going to find in you, you know, brooding, um, authentic, uh, melancholy, pensive, these are all types depressed. that very much just, just yeah, they can, and, and well, that's the fear. That's the danger is that you can go, there's obviously a very dark side to that and it can be really timid. Like you said, it's very fickle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the line between, and this kind of goes for all the types, the line between their truth and their reality, sorry, their, the line between their vice and their virtue, the truth between um, the issues that they can have in the world and what they're seeking can be right next door to each other yeah so when does you know which is true for everybody well that's that's, what i'm saying and that's the yeah they're so in touch with with that and it's like you could call it you know it's so easy to call it emotional but it's like if you're not if your mind doesn't work that way then it's it's like who are you to judge that yeah that's what what i'm saying like you don't know you don't understand what's going on an intense feeling for them or at least they say that yeah (laughs) and that's part of the whole thing is that there's Mm -hmm. always this there's there can be this energy of you don't get what i'm going through yeah it's very real to me and it is i think that's something that's important i think it's really easy um we talk about a lot of uh, which types get beat up in workshops and fours can get beat up in workshops a lot yeah because it's all like oh your head's just in the clouds well i think we've said this too but it's fascinating because it's like I genuinely don't think I've met one four that's the same, and yeah. I'm not. I, I I almost hate to say that because I don't want to like uh, indulge, indulge their indulge their their ego and their ego yeah. and their you know make them feel special. But uh, you know, but you something. are. But it is. It's crazy. It's like I've never met one four that's the same. But it's true. 
you know, you well, are you 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 are special. You I mean, are unique. Right. The difficult like thing the, for the four, though, is that it's there's very much a grass is greener ideology. Yes. Which is what's tricky because they can see that the that those qualities in other people so clearly sometimes, but not in themselves. You know, one of our close friends, um, uh, he, you know, identifies as the type four, and. Yeah, I, this has really meant a lot to me because mm-hmm. they, in a lot of books and things like that, they say that the, the focus of attention for the type four is on what is missing. But he says, uh, a, he feels like a better way to put it is what is hidden. Yeah, it's there. You just got to look for it. Yeah, and I think that that's that that does it right. Well, in in not, we'll get off fours in a second here, but with the whole idea of like the grass is always greener, greener, and it's like they are uh, they're constantly. Um, dream I, I like i said I, i'm like i would identify them as like dreamers the problem with like dreaming is that you get expectations and then expectations turn into the grass is always greener right you know what i mean because you always like life is always gonna let you down let's just be honest you know people are always gonna let you down eventually and it's like uh yeah i just think yeah. that it's something where you you definitely fall victim to your expectations and that's something i think i've seen happen i've seen happen with everybody but it especially hits fours hard yes you know and then they become uh, Eeyore. Right. Which, Which hey, here you go. Yeah, yeah Eeyore is the example of... Uh, Which is from Winnie the Pooh, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> wait, 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 Eeyore's my favorite. Well, he, I, uh, I like... Oh, no, he's Who's your favorite? Pooh. Growing up. Pooh was? Yeah, that's right. I knew that. Yeah. Who was your least favorite? Um, uh, Christopher Robin. Of the animals. Of the animals. Uh, Silly old bear. Probably uh, Piglet. My my, quite my favorite was yeah not to not to knock on any tights here right now but we're talking about it right yeah my favorite was my favorite was Eeyore. Mm-hmm. Um, well no my favorite was Tigger. Eeyore was a close second. I remember. That. My Tigger, least favorite yeah. was Rabbit. Um, yeah. But uh, no disrespect to the ones. Yeah. Um, just like he was so uptight. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah so with the fours Eeyore, Anne of Green Gables, um, Heathcliff from Wuthering Heights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're, it's like a life of brooding. Yeah. Uh, that entire romance is very four centric. <laughs> right. Um, Luke Skywalker is always like you know looking for what's out there. It's, yeah. Jack Skellington. This is actually one of my favorite examples. Is if you've seen or if you will ever watch um, A Night Before Christmas. His whole thing is that he gets tired of Halloween. He's been there. He's done that. He wants something new. He wants something exciting. He wants something creative. Yeah. And for him, that's Christmas. But he fundamentally misunderstands the you know goal of christmas yeah um and the tin man from the wizard of oz okay which is a really great example of this idea of you know i always think of you know i'd be charming i'd be gentle i'd be awfully sentimental regarding love and art yeah um and what's great is that you're you're listening to this song about this guy talking about how gentle and and, and soft and and artistically inclined he could be and he is yeah. or else he wouldn't be singing this beautiful song yeah um and there's your four yeah, I would, uh, to add to it, I would just say maybe Alice from Alice in Wonderland. I would you say know, that that's very, a very, very fair assessment. Lost in her dreams and, you know. So fives. Type five. Our least favorite number. Just kidding. That's really funny. Seth knows I have a special place in my heart for fives. Mm-hmm. I think you do too. Yeah. I always have. Um, what's interesting is that when we're talking about fiction, for we're, some... We're both fives. We're both fives. Yeah. No, we're not... <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's the one that's the one tease you get for what type Seth and I are if you don't already know us personally. Because we are both fives. Is that we're both fives. 
No, is um, but type fives. Whenever I would watch anything growing up, um, when I would like think about it growing up later, I would be like, oh my gosh, I think that might be the five. Fives are called um, the investigator mm-hmm. or the observer, and uh, this begins our entry into the more um, mentally uh, focused triad. Um, and in terms of inward or outward or kind of conflicted, our five is our inward. Um, fives are the most probably naturally introverted number on the Enneagram. Um, stereotypically, these are a lot of scientists and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, nerds. Sure. Yeah. But these are the guys that are, are they're very logical. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're really... I want to make sure I do justice by this, and this one's really tricky for me. Um, mm-hmm. Where the head types are concerned, uh, the focus is largely on competency. Well, that's in in uh, like I guess I would say the specialist. Mm-hmm. If I had to, yep. Because I'm like you know what's that's a... fascinating with the five is that like usually, and I agree, um, yeah, I agree with this very much. So is that like life is extremely short. And that you only have time to get good at a few things. And it's like, I think that they uh, take that into consideration and then they get good at a few things. Or right. one thing. Sure. Very well, you know. And it's like, uh, that's that's a, that's a very admirable, you know. Yeah. Well, it's, and it, it, I actually love that because it, it is admirable. It also um, can get difficult because in terms of the competency piece... Um, the five sees themselves living in a world that asks a lot of them with limited, with them having limited resources. Mm-hmm. And so they can get tuckered out very easily in social settings. Um, they much more uh, uh, enjoy observing something, I mean, hence the name, uh, kind of being on the fringes. And not just of society literally, like in terms of like in an actual room full of like in a social setting, but I think oftentimes in... Um, even in culture or idealistically, they're very interested in asking the why questions, and they get a lot of en- they can often get a lot of enjoyment from just asking the why question. Um, they live inside their head. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's often said, you know, very quiet external yeah. life, very loud internal life. Um, they're, I mean, they're thoughtful. They're they're naturally intellectual, um, which is funny because we have a friend who does not appreciate that term, right? Mm-hmm. And he's identifies as a five, mm-hmm. but uh, what was his reason for not liking the intellectual term? Is it the connotation? Yeah, which I understand, but I mean, I mean, is a is a compliment. Yeah, um, they like thinking about thinking about thinking about. Um, very often, they can uh, really appreciate art. Um, like you said, specialists are specialists, so very for, so. There's a lot of time that what what it is that they're collecting, the information that they're taking in, they're it's probably the best of the best stuff, right? Yeah. So if they really like music, they're going to be really interested in these like fringe like, uh, you know, I know a lot of fives who are big fans of Nine Inch Nails, right? Trent Reznor, and things like that. Um, they're also a lot of fans of uh, the works of David Fincher. I mean, and this probably has to do with my whole. You know, again, that five energy that I really do love, although I do not identify as a five. Um, a lot of Fincher's films are very five-centric. Um, mm-hmm. And again, you're talking about someone who it's really interesting because they rebel against society, but they don't do it in like necessarily, despite some of the, you know what his films portray, in an aggressive 
yeah. way. Um, they, they're, it's, it's, it's much more subversive than that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're na- they can be naturally subversive people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they're very, um, sustainable, which I find respectable about them. You know, they, they, it'd be, because in order to be sustainable, you have to be uh, independent mm-hmm. and they're independent. Right. And that's really cool. Um, on the flip side, the negative side to that is that I think that fives can like sustainable isn't um, thriving. Sure. So you have your you'll usually have a person who is very sharp but doesn't really they, they never live up to their potential. Right. You know what I mean? Because they don't they don't take risk. They're not risk takers, which, you know, and they're not um, uh, Well, they they can it's easy for them to feel like it's a risk walking out their front door. Exactly. But but yeah, it's it, it, yeah. 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 Well, the, the, what's interesting about the five Sometimes is that their strength. A, a lot of times, it's, it's mentioned that their strength and their, um, their vice and their virtue is the same word. It's, it's detachment. Tricky, man. Yeah. It's detachment. Yeah, they're very. Their, their strength is that they're detachment. Yeah. Because they can be objective. Yeah, they they're can, very objective people. Yeah. Um, um, they're very objective. They're very. Uh, they're not often easily emotionally stirred. I mean, in a negative mm-hmm. way. Um, that's not to say they don't have emotions. Again, one of my favorite things about fives, I think, is that I can convey i can talk to them about emotion without becoming overburdened by it oh, I, yeah i yeah um and and Absolutely. i i don't like getting overburdened by emotion mm-hmm. to be honest with you contrary mm-hmm. to this my entire you know career and this podcast um i think that i like to really but i do like to find answers and i appreciate that about them they want mm-hmm. to find answers but the negative side is that they can become detached mm-hmm. they can feel as though they're never competent enough to deal with what it is that life is giving them when the truth is they're probably more competent than most people they probably know more than most people right about the well, subject I think that, that what gets tricky with wanting to be specialized is life doesn't work that way you know what i mean like especially in the day and age that we're at like it you know i i was thinking recently how easy it would be to live like as hard as it would be to live thousands of years ago because we didn't have ac you know on the flip side it would be easy because you kind of just grew for my mindset like you kind you just grew up and you did one thing and you got super good at that one thing and you became specialized at it sure you know you became a specialist now there's almost too much out there now there's like there's so much to become it's like what you know uh what do you become specialized with what do you you know it's a there it's the amount you know because just think about this like how long it took to cook dinner right it would be like half the day yeah so it's like now we can cook dinner in two minutes and spend the rest of the time learning we're more smart than we've ever been and that's actually like a curse as well as being a blessing sure and with fives it's like i i can't you know it's it's i i I can imagine (laughs) yeah i should say that it's 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 extremely tricky to want to be specialized in something and feel like you're specialized in nothing because life is so there's just so much being thrown at you constantly you know right um which and i and it's in i think that you're speaking and and this is the case for all the types right it's like what we're talking about and it's interesting if you're listening to the effort the effort is the the effort is noticed well and and it and it does matter because uh you know i feel like everyone that i've talked to who is a five you know they they uh they're pretty sharp. Well, and I think that to be honest with you, that's what I'm saying is I think that you're in a way you're with all these types. If you're listening to this, I think that you can really um, you're going to be able to connect 
right? Mm-hmm. To to this because again we all have aspects of this, but anything that we said about any of these types, the one, the four, the three, mm-hmm. these are uh, the five. This is something that they feel like you're talking about this. You don't identify as a five, but you you understand this aspect. But for them, it can be a constant, right? Sure. Some examples of the type five. Winnie the Pooh. You have Owl, who kind of lives off in this, uh, you know, away from everybody else. Has all the books. He's very interested in knowledge. Um, Martian Manhunter from DC Comics uh, is a really good example, and actually one I really love. Um, uh, in terms talking about David Fincher, uh, Elizabeth Salander from The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Driver from uh, yeah from Drive is an example we use a lot is a is a five Sherlock Holmes <laughs> Sherlock Holmes um, yeah what's interesting and this is this can be a, an uh, article to specifically bait. though I will say uh, BBC yeah yeah BBC Sherlock and, and that's actually one of my favorite examples of a type five yeah um, and there can be some uh, you, it's, I'm glad you clarify the the BBC one because mm-hmm. that's there can be this discrepancy between whether he's a five or a three mm-hmm. um, in you know Doyle's books yeah. Yeah, I haven't read enough to... Nor have I. Type 6 is called the Loyalist, or the Loyal Skeptic. Um, This type is incredibly, in case you haven't guessed by the name, loyal, committed, dutiful. They take... uh, They they can be very responsible. Um, They are... Can be there. There really can be pillars of trust uh, because they take promises and and very seriously. Um, the they can have a hard time trusting others um, because going back to that headspace uh, for them, they're for them it's conflicted. Their their uh, you know mental processing. On one hand, they're constantly going inside their head, but they also are trying to do as they live. It's often said that they are uh, they, they they can identify as a a soldier in somebody else's army. Okay. Um, they can have sometimes a conflicted relationship with authority. They either adhere to it completely if they trust it, or they're very distrustful of it. Um, safety and security are very uh, important aspects of life for the type six so see so i figured this out with the six because What'd you figure out well so what my name for six would be the thinker yeah and and you know i think that it's fascinating because like a five would be considered the one that thinks the most that is sure the, the head types and i don't agree with that i've come to definitely not agree with that because um the fives are eight like they they think about like a few things a lot and i respect that like they're very obsessive with a few things yeah whereas like a six is obsessive about everything that they're thinking all the time and i think that um that's a double-edged sword because your thoughts don't define you so if you spend too much time with them you become something that you could never be therefore becoming like an oxymoron of a person sure so it's like uh 
you know, you're like aggressive, but you're timid and you're, you're, but you're, you know, uh, trusting, but always skeptical or you're happy, but you're always sad. And it's like, you're this oxymoron of a person because you're led by your thoughts and your thoughts don't define you. So therefore you, you never fully get to become an authentic person, which is sad. Well, they can be, yeah, it's funny, all types, when you look into them enough, are very sad, (laughs) which I think is actually very good, because this is what allows you to feel empathy for other people. Sure. Um, But the six is, uh, ambivalent is a big word, right? Yeah. There's two minds about, like, everything. Yeah. It's like, well, it could go this way, it could go that way. They're worst case scenario thinkers. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is that double-edged sword I just mentioned, where it's like, you know, I think that, like, there's definitely a place and time for it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think that they, I think they think more than any other number. I work with. About every. I work with, yeah, I work with a very good friend of ours. Yeah. um, Who, and and he's, you know, he's older, a good deal older than than us. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's, and he identifies as type six. And there's so many times when we're working together, he will say things, he'll bring up, especially uh, very often we're doing work with, you know, human beings. <laughs> and as yeah. such, there's a lot of, you know, you want to be careful, especially as far as feelings are concerned or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And he uh, very often will be like, well, I don't want them to take this this way. And that's fantastic because it, and, and that, that energy is hugely helpful. It's been helpful in terms of mm-hmm. a lot of the writing that I've done for this episode because yeah. I want to be very careful about what is is being said um, it's crucial to be critical right you know right and so it's really great to be able to say look and make sure that you're not you know hurting anybody's feelings when especially that's not what you want to do and all that jazz but when you think about that all the time mm-hmm. it can be uh, paralyzing and you know you brought up counterphobic sixes earlier fear yeah. and distrust are very large staples of the type six and there tends to be two different um reactions to that there's mm-hmm. phobic and there's counterphobic so phobic and um you know i guess we'll i'll say this now just but the winnie the pooh character is piglet yeah and so you think about like oh did a deer and running around everything and being afraid and and then there's counterphobic which is i'm afraid of it but i'm going to try to face it um which is going to be very different than uh another type that we'll talk about a little bit later um well, we've brought up a few times, I might as well, but there's a type eight, which can mm-hmm. be very confrontational, but they're a very different confrontational. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is based purely out of fear and mistrust and right. and um, anxiety. And so at the end of the day, here you have really one of the b- most like responsible, loyal, you know, good natured, very often people that you'll ever meet, but they can also be, you know, I mean, I'll tell you this right now. It's like the hardest enemy you're ever going to fight is your mind. Right. You know, and it's like they they're, they are in that battle all the time. All the time. You right. know, more than any, anyone, any sure. other number. That's something that I feel like I've come to learn throughout my life. Well, anxiety disorders and these yeah. can be very prevalent in these. And again, you could have, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people who, you know, there's a lot of people who say, here's like, here's an example. And actually, I think he might very well be an eight. But an example in fiction, they use a lot is Tyler Durden from Fight Club is an Three example six. of a six. Yeah, I see really? that a lot. Okay. But but regardless, I see what they're saying in terms of this, like, I don't trust things. I don't like these things. So I'm going to attack these things. Yeah. You really can see a lot of people. I mean, you know, you, you could be talking about a dictator here. Mm-hmm. You could be talking about a dictator. You could be talking about a superhero. Yeah. Um, and based it, it fears a tricky thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, the mind's a tricky thing. I mean, the mind's a tricky thing. The mind, you know, it, it's something where, especially if you dive into it as much as sixes do, it's something where, you know, you go off of your 
thoughts that you've conjured up, you know, that your mind's conjured up, that you've identified now with that aren't you. Right. And it's like now you're your own, you know, worst enemy sure. like in life because you've become, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like that gets brought up with sixes a lot, but it's like because they, you know, uh, they definitely fall victim to their mind, which is like almost a separate part of them because they have the biggest mind out of any of the other numbers. Right. <laughs> in a way. Is what I would say. Some examples of the type six are C3PO. Okay. Um, uh, I know a lot of sixes who hate this one, and I'm sorry, but George Costanza from Seinfeld. Okay. Um, Piglet, as we said, Cameron Fry from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is actually one of my favorite examples. If you've seen the totality of that film, mm-hmm. um, it's a really good story about the uh, journey of a six. Um, Marlin from Finding Nemo. The Cowardly Lion, which again, you have this idea that you have courage, you know. Mm. Um, you're really talking also about one of the most courageous types, right? Yeah. Because uh, Tolkien, you know, what Lord of the Rings, it's a dangerous business walking out your front door. Yeah. And I, he lives, you know, sixes live that reality constantly. Yeah. Um, Geller from Friends is another example. Uh, George Michael from... That's a great example. Uh from Arrest Development. Arrest Development. As well as Buster, probably, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, no, but, definitely. Um, but he's, like, super extreme. And then, uh, like, Cyclops. I don't know if, I mean, how many people... From X-Men, yeah. He's yeah. actually one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, he's, uh... And he's actually, you know what, when we talk about the hero, or the, he's actually a great, great example, because uh, pretty recently in the comics, he's been... A few years ago, at least, mm-hmm. uh, he was having a really hard time because he was starting to feel like Charles Xavier's plight was yeah. not panning out. And so he kind of started, he didn't go as far as Magneto, yeah. but he started going to that realm where he was going like, you know what, screw all this. Uh, but for the most part, Scott is always doing the right thing. Yeah. And he, he's very loyal to the cause. And even when he moved out of that space, it came out of fear and distrust and, and a desire to protect the people who he cared about. Six is in a good place, you know. Yeah. They talk about, there's a, there's a word used a lot, sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And I really love that. It's a safe haven for people who are afraid and weary in this very dangerous world. Yeah. And then Locke from Lost. So I love that you brought this up, Seth, and and Lost is one that I specifically try to steer away from. Okay. And I I try to steer away from Lost because... Even though it's so plentiful. I know. I just adore Lost. I love Lost. And you... Did I ever tell you that? Yeah. (laughs) And Lost is... uh, I I do. I love it. And I hope to do an episode purely around that. Um, And I didn't use them only because I feel like that's just faded so far from the scene. So I think that it's like difficult well, to use it. Let's bring it back. All right, with John Locke. Our 20, 20 followers. Yeah, John John Locke from Lost. Yeah. Yes, I would say. Do you think so? I, I, you I thought he was a fun. No, I I I went back and forth with it a lot. Shane's really brought me a lot around yeah. a lot to the the yeah. type six, and I, I think, think that there's a. Six. I think he probably is as well. I think Shane's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just don't tell him that. I won't. Yeah. Well, he won't listen anyway. <laughs> He's so rude. He's got, I'm going to say read to you for you because he's saying it to himself while he's listening to this. Me? Yeah. <laughs> um, moving forward. And in the spirit of moving forward, let's go fast. Type 7. Type 7 is the adventure or the epicure or the uh, fun-loving go-go honk boat. 
Um, sevens are energetic. They're uh, the life of the party. They bring a high energy. They're mm-hmm. big on ideas. They're big on um, new, you know, doing something new and, and, and forging a new path and going on an adventure and having a good time. Um, the danger can be that they can be really dragged down by those things uh, because a seven, they, they have a tendency to overindulge sometimes if they're not careful. Yeah. And uh, they really steer away from pain and painful things. And I used to think, you know, a lot of I, I, years ago when I, it really seemed to me that sevens didn't want to go towards this pain because they just didn't want to think of anything negative because they're naturally optimistic people. Yeah. But as time has gone on, I've learned that they are, it has nothing to do with, with that. It has nothing to do, it, it, well, I mean, maybe it has nothing to do with it. It has more to do with the fact that they are, they can be afraid that they'll overindulge in the pain. Mm-hmm. And if they go to the pain, they won't get out because yeah. they're big doers. They do, 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 do. Um, they are, again, they're, they're fun. They're a blast. They live life for the moment. They're like hashtag YOLO. Um, I don't know if that's still a thing. But they, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, I think sevens, I mean, they're, they're the life, of the party. Yeah, they la 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 live out loud. Yeah. They uh they are it's weird because sevens aren't really authentic. well, they are authentic. They're very authentic, but they're also They're authentically having fun though. They're authentically like they're almost like a force of nature. It's almost like it's raining outside or it's like sunny outside. You know what sure. I mean? It's like a sevens in a room, you know, and I don't know if that makes any sense to anyone, but yeah, it it, it sevens i mean i i I genuinely enjoy sevens you know um i do too they're great you can't not almost like it's like you know uh, unless they're super unhealthy because then they can be obnoxious but they can just be intense they can be a lot because they can be um they can be prone to bouts of alcoholism they can be they can be really prone to manic depressive disorders which is Mm -hmm. heartbreaking but that's what that comes from it comes from the high highs and it comes from the low lows yeah um I'm actually blowing through this really fast because we are running long, um, but we also, but also because, uh, like I said, this is the spirit of the seven. Yeah. The seven is, um, if you're a seven, if you listen to this, then you just you deserve a medal because yeah. this is not, it's not necessarily they're much more interested in going out there and doing something and building something and inventing yeah. something and having something come to work. Very right active, now. very, uh, yeah go-getters and but in a way of like it's a lot more it's not for like a goal as much you know what what is it like the the it's not the end it's the journey you sure. know it's that it's not the re- end result it's the journey yeah and they are about the journey 100%. and the tricky thing can become they can put down the thing if that becomes boring very quickly yeah. they're done that's very they like bad. coming up with things yeah. they have they can have a hard time bringing things to completion so one could like uh related to like instant gratification is they are big instant gratification people yeah it's a huge issue and they live for today yeah and the problem is is that sometimes then you don't plan for tomorrow yeah and so if the six plans too much the seven doesn't plan enough and what's interesting is again going back to the wings fives thing well yeah wings but also fives their thought processing goes is inward focused sixes are having a hard time with it going back and forward and sevens it's all going out yeah it's strange to think almost of a seven as an uh uh head type um because they they're so they're so dynamic they're so dynamic and but the reality of it is they're thinking um and again they're 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 they can be they're pain avoidant 
Um, and it takes a lot of thinking to, to I would say, I, I would say that they are very human and they're very, they think a lot. They, they could think a lot and they don't want to. Absolutely. Very, I don't think I've met a seven that's not sharp, you know, as a... Well, and a good example attack. of this, and a good example of this is uh, a philosopher by the name of Ferris Bueller. Yeah. But really, though, Ferris Bueller is an excellent example of a seven, and you have somebody here who is, um, you know, life moves pretty fast, and if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And what's beautiful is while he is focused on having a good time and getting out there, he's also mindful enough to know that you need to stop and enjoy it. Yeah. And there really is a lot of positive philosophy and a lot of Ferris. And again, this is really interesting when you think about that six and seven dynamic of Ferris versus Cameron. Um, Ferris is an example. Holly go lightly. You know, I go on towards a negative side of things. Holly go likely from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. It's, you know... If you want to go more... Ne- yeah, go on. No, go, go, let's go one step more. One step more is the Joker, where it's like chaos. Yeah. Just sure. utter chaos. Because yeah. it's like, it's just like one thing to the next thing to the next thing. The the line from um, The Dark Knight, um, when he's like, you know, I just wanted to see what happens, you know? Yeah, I'm just I mean? like it's a dog like, chasing a car. I wouldn't yeah. know what to do what I caught it. I, I wouldn't even know exactly. It's like, that's so, just like so good. And it's like... Yeah, I'm going to watch The Dark Knight tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's like the the that's like the epitome of bad for a seven. Absolutely. But yeah. Fozzie Bear. Fozzie Bear, is one yeah. that I appreciate bringing it back up. Um, Fred and George Weasley. Uh, in terms of Winnie the Pooh, I keep wanting to say Harry Potter, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm mixing Harry Potter and Winnie the no. Pooh up. Yeah, but Harry Winnie Potter. the Pooh is uh, Tigger, in case you couldn't guess. Yeah. Um, bouncy, 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 fun, 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 fun. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Chris Traeger. Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec is a great example, especially when he starts talking about he's like, I can't stop because if I stop, I will die. Yep. And that's yeah. that's exactly it. Takes a lot Third of thinking philosophy. not to think. Yeah. Type eight. Eights are um, natural born leaders, and you hear that. And there's other types that are. Ones are often leaders. Threes are often leaders. I and, and that's not to say that fives aren't, and fours aren't, and twos aren't. Um, but an eight is, uh, they are dynamic, they are powerful, they're intense, and they are that naturally. They are that when they're sitting in a room not saying a word. The energy is felt, mm-hmm. um, for better or worse. And that can be because an eight is someone you're really, you, this is going to be the person who goes to bat for you and is in your corner and is there to fight for you. Uh, or this is the person who's going to be the aggressor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's someone said once, uh, and it always stuck with me, someone years ago made an eight cry, and they decided that they would either never cry again or that they were going to make other people cry. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good example. Um, eights are, uh, they've been described also as a Mack truck full of marshmallows. They have very hard uh, exteriors, very tough, very naturally um, strong, so much so that they don't even describe themselves that way. They just think that they're existing, but they have very gentle hearts. Yeah, they have a very soft um, inside, and uh, a lot of it comes from a place of of genuine justice seeking. And again, this is where that contrast can be so difficult, is because justice and vigil and and uh, you know vengeance are yeah 
There's like a hair between them. Yeah. And that can be really difficult. You can see a lot of times a lot of um, vigilantes, I've obviously, you know, given the name, can be eights, especially when you're talking about fiction. Mm -hmm. But I mean in real life as well, right? I mean eights are... Yeah, they're like the lone wolf, you know, they're, they're, uh, which, you know... They're like the lone wolf that, you know, is fighting the other wolves, hopefully. Or they're being a wolf and they're picking on people, which can be the problem. Yeah, I have a hard time with eights. Um... With that being said, I think that something I really respect about eights is the fact that they, most eights that I've come into uh, a relationship with, it's something where, you know, they, they're not looking for a follower or followers. Yes. And they're not looking for a leader, but they're going to walk with you the whole way. And that's like a genuine thing. And that's another thing. Like, uh, you know, the two most authentic numbers would be a four and an eight. Yes. I've heard it be said like, uh, it's the, the, the different sides of the same coin. Yeah. Which is a fantastic way of putting it, you know, where well, because like, if fours have a very gentle outside, they have yeah, a very, very strong, strong resilience inside. Yeah. And then eights, eights are very gentle inside, but they're very tough. Yeah, outside, and and then the the coin itself is authenticity, you know. Sure. But on the flip side, I think that eights, you know, they can be very. Uh, they can be overbearing. It's almost like animal an animal letting an animal out in a room, and I don't mean it to be rude. I'm just saying, like you know, it. it you mean feels, like whether it's gentle or whether it's a. Well, it's just, yeah, it's like they don't know how to play with other people, and it's like, you know. It can be very uh, difficult. Boundaries can be very hard for an eight, mostly because they're, sometimes they just don't see them. Mm -hmm. Um, Eights can have a hard time. I feel bad for eights in this this capacity because I don't think that they understand always how intense they are. No, it's it's honestly like the, yeah, the, I was going to say Lenny from uh, Of Mice and Men, but I don't think he's an eight at all. I'm just saying, like, I think that they can, like, you know, they have, but they, they don't know their own strength. They think they're having saying. fun. They think they're having fun, and they're actually very uh, being very hard on other people. Um, but on the flip side, like eights, simming in this world with how tough it can be, you know, it's like I've seen eights be uh, extremely good leaders. You know, whether they accept that or not, you know, sure, um, they're very uh, resilient. They're very they they do. Uh, you can tell that they can. They, they bear a load of, you know... They carry the weight. Yeah, they carry the weight, and they really do it well. Yeah, they and do. You can't, you can't, you know, you can't complain about that, especially if you're the one that's getting the weight. Yeah. You know, protected yeah. by the weight that would be crushing you, you know. Yes. So. Yeah, they're protectors, they're defenders. Yeah. Um, they can just easily, they can also become tyrants if they're not yeah. careful. Yeah. Um, which it's very yeah it's it's it, when you're any number I would say this especially like twos ones uh, right fours probably every number on this list but like if you're an intense person it's it's kind of hard not to be like it's like intensity for good is good and then intensity for bad is really bad you know and it's like I just, you know well no it's good duh, for and it's, it's a good it's good for eights to learn to read the room. Yeah, that's what they yeah, can really use to absolutely. do because they can they, they it's it's it can be hard for them um and i think that what's what's interesting is when i know an eight who's actually well, pretty I healthy think, i don't even know if it's hard for them it's like on top of it being hard for them it's like do they care that's the and better question sure that's yeah, what i mean well, by two, hard for that's them. a two-layered thing right where it's like it's tricky because it's like even if you can make them read a room it's like do they care about the room sure 
that they're reading and it's like that's a good question and it's tricky and it's interesting because when you see an eight that's very healthy Mm -hmm. and has done the work and put the work in they recognize that strength is something to to have respect for yeah they treat themselves like a loaded gun yeah yeah which if any with with, 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 yeah if any type is a loaded gun it's an eight sure loaded bazooka um yeah some examples of eight in fiction, we've talked about this before, is if you listen to our training day episode, is Alonzo Harris. Yeah. You want to talk about that line between vengeance and justice, you yeah. can see how this guy got this way. Sure. Um, you got to be a wolf to protect the sheep, right? Yeah. Uh, Rooster Cogburn mm-hmm. from True Grit um, is a really good example in terms of uh, Winnie the Pooh. It's Gopher. You know, mm-hmm. He's always blowing things up. He's like, get out of my way. I'm trying to do something. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, Jean Valjean. Yeah. W- Will Hunting. Mm-hmm. From Goodwill Hunting, um, it's very you know hard shell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Batman, yeah, uh, is an example. So he he it's they there's a host of people who you know they 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 place him as a host of characters if you read websites and things like that. But if you've done enough reading in the comics and things like yeah. that, you see that this guy is especially you're talking about a guy whose parents yeah. died in an alleyway he when cried. he was a child. And he's he's gonna he's make not, sure no yeah he's gonna make sure no one else cries yeah. right. Um, yeah, never cry again. I love this because I have Godzilla on here. And there's that, yeah. But he just is. But <laughs> he, he is, is though. Um, you got the, this this protector, yeah. but he also might smash you. Yeah. Uh, the beast being the beast. Magneto, right. speaking again of that. Yeah. And this is again with and, that eight and for counterphobic six. Yeah. The difference is the eight. They, they, I've heard it said before that the eight doesn't feel that pain, but I don't think that that's or the eight doesn't feel that fear. I'm sorry, but I don't think that that's necessarily true. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, but they don't I, certainly don't yeah. feel it like the six does. Where the six is moving out of anxiety and and mm-hmm. and, and eight is, I think, taking care of business. I think it's reactionary. It's, sure. Yeah, that's a big thing. Is like I don't think that I think I think it's thinking. Sure. You know, you 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 get you get the uh, trophy for saying you think all the time. For uh, if you're if you're six. And then you get the trophy for saying that you're you react all the time if you're an eight, right? You know that's what well, I'm saying. Well, and when we and when we talk about counterphobics, like you know what I mean? It's like it's like you might think more, but is that always the best thing? Well, and when we talk about the eights, ones, and nines again, external, internal, conflicted. Yeah. The external, their 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 core is again. So for the for the head, you have competency and and for the and fear, mm-hmm. and for the heart, you have worth and. Um, shame and for guts or you know the reactionary types you have anger mm-hmm. um, and the anger of an eight it can come up like a flash and go away they'll just let you know they're telling you how it they're is they're very authentic they're I very got, authentic yeah, for, for, for a one that anger is pressed down mm-hmm. they, they're, it's kept in check by their strictness and their rigidity and their desire to be um, proper, proper and, and ethical and mm-hmm. uh, upright and all that. Yeah. Uh, and then for a nine, it's conflicted, and we'll get there. Yeah. And then the last one I have is is Katniss Everdeen, yeah. from Hunger Games, which is again you're talking about a naturally strong protector. There's not even any hints of like malice or like, she's not even overbearing. She yeah. just does what needs to be done. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I would say anything. John Wayne. <laughs> John Wayne it's is a good a example. Whole, yeah. It's just like you know he he really embodies what eights seem to be like and. Uh, Wolverine, along yeah, with the other X-Men. one, he's. I mean, if like, yeah, you'll see a lot of like the lone wolf, like I, I'm the tough boy, smoke a cigar, ride a motorcycle. Yeah, but also does care, but does, but has a heart, you know. Um, and then like Dwight, Dwight Schrute. Dwight Schrute, I love yeah. that. 
isn't you know it's so funny it's it's funny because that's a good example though because it's like you know dwight i think is someone who also looks like a six yeah you know but it's like i think that he's (laughs) just uh, doesn't care he doesn't care enough to be six i don't think he cares enough to be six but i think he cares so much about the few things that he cares about which is like michael and you know a few other people the office yeah the type nine and our last type is known as the peacemaker or the mediator the type nine that anger right um internal external conflicted they're conflicted um they call the anger of a nine a sleeping anger and we'll pause on that for a minute but i think it's good to address the anger up front it's also a little sad that the nine is at the end because it's easy for the nine to get overlooked and they've trained others to help to to overlook them um when you talk about a two and a, and a nine, it can be very similar because they're both others focused. Their attention is on what the needs of others as opposed to the need of themselves. The difference is, I've heard it explained, is uh, a two would get off the couch to make you a sandwich. A nine is without content. Without you asking. A, without you asking, yeah. A nine is content to just like lay there and, and sit, that, sit around with you. If you um, asked, yeah. if you asked, sure, they might do it. But but they're, they're uh, the focus. The focus of the nine is connection. It's connection with others. It's connection with. Um, I mean, it can go as far as you know, God, the universe, whatever. Mm. But they desire that connection. They desire to be in unity and in, in community with others. Um, and the way that that often comes out is through, unfortunately, the suppression of their own needs. Um, there's very much a go along to get along mentality for the type nine Mm -hmm. and that manifests itself, uh, in, uh, eventually passive aggression. Mm -hmm. Um, with the nine, you're talking about extremely easygoing type people. Uh, they can even seem, um, at times, uh, some of them can seem absent minded but it's not that they're absent-minded. It's not that they're disconnected. It's in a way, in a sense, it's because they're so connected. But they long for peace and they long for. It's very admirable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They long for peace and they long for. Um, they, they well, they don't want that peace to be disturbed or, or yeah or you know come Especially into conflict. In this day and age, I mean, it's they very, avoid conflict. Very uh, admirable thing to strive for peace. You know, and more people could probably do that the problem is they maybe go they go about it in a um, poor way which is like dying to themselves and their opinions and their ideas and it's like okay that's not how you achieve that you know? right um, so I used to have a hard time with nines yeah because I used to this is really interesting because I used to be a, I used to the way I would explain it is I feel like they don't care about anything mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you know you'll have taken their socks out of the dryer and put them in a basket and you didn't know it was their dirty basket and they like they get really mad over that and this is where that sleeping anger comes in they're the loaded gun the sneaky loaded gun (laughs) well what i learned is that they that sleeping anger yeah um comes out because the truth is they have opinions they might have opinions about a lot of things but they don't feel like they can express them or they should they fear that loss of connection so they just say you know what it's okay i don't i don't need to i'm fine um just chill out dude it's it's yeah and and eventually that's going to come out because you can't live your life like that. It's not sustainable. Mm-mm. Just like none of these types are sustainable by no. themselves. 
I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think that nines are very necessary, especially in this day and age. You know, I think that more people could, um, but uh, like every number on this list, you know, I think that they have things that a, a nine, uh, you know, could um, strengthen certain aspects of their personality and, and assert themselves more because the bottom line is, is that it's like, you know, uh, in order to get something done, you do need to be involved no matter who you are, or what number you are, you know what I mean? Like, it's like that, that it's like they're, they worry about getting overlooked, but also they get overlooked because they willingly get, like, choose to get overlooked. And that's just yeah. a very, it's, it's, it's a very, like, um, self-fulfilling prophecy. Correct. Well, there's yeah. a lot of that going on with all yeah. the types. Correct. If you chain, if you train people to treat you as the beast of burden, as an mm -hmm. eight, then that's what you're going to yeah. become. You have people do that. Yeah. If you're a type one, and you've trained other people to see you as responsible and objective and logical and and the person who is going to make the right judgment call all the time. Then people are going to load you with the responsibility because you help train them to see to see, to see that way. And for the nine, where it gets really tricky too is that what you will find about a nine as well is if you think that they don't have opinions and they won't stand up for themselves, push them far enough. Yeah. Um, and by which I mean, please don't. Yeah. Because uh, they are. They can be the most stubborn and hard-headed of any of the types. They can be a Absolutely. complete rock. Yeah, and it's they are a rock. I they mean, are a rock. I, yeah, I, I think that, uh, I mean, they, they die in hills. They do. And even in terms of the Enneagram, you know, that's why they, they, they call it the crown of the Enneagram. They sit at the mm -hmm. top of the crown. And it's because they do have a connection with everybody else, but there's also an element, too, where they are the most, like, firmly planted in themselves. Yeah. There's kind of a mentality where it's like, I've given you my shirt, I've given you my shoes, I've given you my jacket, I've given you my shorts. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not going to give you my t-shirt. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, and you so, need to be mindful of that. And this is, again, kind of a call to be mindful to, to all types, right? Yeah. Especially in the spirit of the nine and trying to look out for everybody and mediating. And, you know, don't don't abuse the relationship you have with someone. Be, be aware and be thankful for the things that they do for you. Yeah. Um, and the relationship they have for you and encourage that energy, but also encourage them to step out of it. Yeah. Well, exercise the traits that you're lacking in. Sure. I mean, I think that's just a good rule of thumb for anyone. And for the nine, we have from Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. He's just delightful and he's just living there and he's moseying around. Moseying around. Scott Pilgrim, um, specifically from the Scott Pilgrim. Uh, I mean, the comics, the movies, everything. I mean, he's kind of just living through life. Uh, um, the Dude mm -hmm. uh, from The Big Lebowski. And this is actually one that's uh, great, especially if you listen to our Big Lebowski episode. It's The Dude Abides, man. Yeah. And it's also great because, I mean, you've seen what happens when the dude gets mad. And it's funny, Walter's the only person who gets in there. Walter, yeah. who's probably an eight. Yeah. Um, but the, the dude is, you know, he's kind of there, man. He's just all right, you know. You know, he uh, he's... Uh, he's kind of a pacifist you know what i mean i mean they joke yeah. about pacifism and stuff like that but he's kind of just like whatever man i'm just here they actually what's great about that film we talked about this but there's a lot of different ideologies there and mm -hmm. the dude kind of just like lists through he just sits through them i don't yeah. even know if he's a pacifist he's just the dude that's what yeah. he is so that's what you call him yeah um uncle iroh again from avatar the last airbender um he's very peaceful very uh serene but mm -hmm. also will tell you what's up if need be mm -hmm. um i asked uh, a friend of ours who's a nine about this uh right before we started recording and he was like ints from harry potter or, oh my gosh i just want to say harry potter all the time uh and the ints from 
Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. They're all pretty much, but I'm like, it's a good, you know, he's right. They're like, we'll get there when we'll get there. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and the only one I would add to that list is Walter White. I'm so glad you said that because I thought about this earlier in the episode and I didn't didn't write it down. Yeah. I love this too, by the way. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of like that, uh, that, you know, uh, bazooka, that hidden bazooka in the arm, you know. Well, it's a lot of people who don't see. I think there's a lot of people who say he's an eight, yeah. which if you, which I mean, makes total sense. Yeah. I think he's got probably an eight wing. Yeah. But if you watch that first episode of Breaking Bad and you realize how he's lived his life for so long. Well, you want to know who's an eight, and we, we probably won't do an episode on this, but like a good example of the relationship there is uh, someone who's probably an eight is uh, Mike. And Mike. Mike Ermintrop yeah. from, from Breaking Bad, yeah. Is that is that that? Yep. The that's that's Mike. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, you know, he's, he's like, you're kind of so stupid. He's steady. Well, he's steady. You know, he's yeah. a steady, you know, uh, guy, and he's, you know, his anger is direct. It's purposeful, he, yeah. and it's and it's gone. Yeah. Walters is erratic and yeah, and he dangerous. says that about him. He's like, he's a ticking time bomb. I'm done doing. I don't want to do business with him. And then he ends up. Well, I shouldn't say much because in case you watch Breaking Bad, you should because it's literally the best show I've ever watched. In case you haven't watched it yet which is shameful if you haven't but anyways whatever the case i think that that's a great comparison of like well and for that matter he's not an eight and for that matter hank schrader who i also think is an eight yeah he's probably an eight yeah. and it's fun is that that's a great example by the way when you take a look at the wings mm-hmm. you got probably got eight with a nine wing for mike urbantrop so it's a little bit more toned down because he's got those nine qualities and an eight with a seven so he's a little bit more erratic yeah. and dynamic yeah um is hank schrader but even sure. hank he'll tell him things where he's like you don't get it Hank is Hank understands a reality that Walter well, doesn't. Right, and then like you. And know. it's not anything. But I I've, I heard one nine actually on a podcast talking mm-hmm. about it, and he said he's like when I'm angry, I'm, it's clumsy. It's not not peaceful right. because I'm not good at it. I think that's true with a lot of people. You know, it's like you know they uh, they don't know how to channel it for right. sure. When they well, that's angry. one of the positive because, things I think for an eight is that yeah they I can channel it so well yeah. Um, and the last, you know, this, this is just because I've been reading this a lot lately and it's just interesting to talk about, but I've heard Pam Beasley using this example. I Isn't think that I? could be really, yeah. I would agree with Because that. they talk about, she's kind of just like, I don't know, just living my life. And it, she had to really even take that time after season two when you watch it, if you watch it, to kind of figure out what's going on with her. Yeah. Because she's had a hard time figuring that out. I could see that, yeah. Um, and so we're going to, the goal here, that was our brief, you know, uh, introduction to the Enneagram but our plan is to explore this um, first with we're going to start with uh, types and, and kind of celebrating that positive uh, force that they are and the energy that they bring into the world that is that is uh, so you know that is a positive influence them thriving uh, them thriving yeah, yeah. and uh after that, we'll go into. We're gonna. I think we're gonna do another series on the Enneagram, but we will. Um, you can check that out uh, a little bit down the line here. Um, in terms of wrapping up here, I, I do want to say that uh, I really did want to find a. Uh, I, I aim to have a wider range of diversity in terms of the type examples, um, and and I think that that's especially important here. Uh, as it pertains to the, what we're talking about because um, in personality types and all that, uh, specifically because it's important to realize that a type is not going to be determined by a gender or a race or an orientation or a nationality. Um, and 
I, so I really strove to have more to, uh, diversity in, in, in those natures. And if you've listened to the types, you know, if you care about, if you're like really, you know, being vigilant about that sort of thing, you'll have realized that that really didn't pan out. But that's uh, really because, you know, one, I didn't want to list super obscure characters too often. And two, I wanted to be as certain as I was about the characters I did choose because you'll find that there's a lot of characters like, you know, we talked about George Bailey, me and Shane, my brother, our brother, and uh, whether he was a one or a two. And that's enough for us to not really use him for an example because you could go either way. So we tried to use examples that we were really certain of. And so all of this kind of narrows it down a whole bunch. Um, and I wanted to just find the most clear-cut examples I could. Uh, the hope being that if you have any idea of that who that character is, then you understand exactly how that energy would pertain to them. So that's just something I wanted to put in there. Um, because it's really important to realize, especially, I think that gender is actually one of the big ones. There's certain personality types that people often want to try to attribute to either, you know, male or female, and it, it's not that simple, and I think that it's very close-minded, um, especially in terms of something as is, is, uh, intricate as personality theory. Yeah. But that's going to do it for us. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you guys will listen. Um, I, this is a long one, but I, I really do hope that... Uh, it's, it's helped you because the truth is that this has helped me in my life, in my personal and professional life, but uh, especially in my relationships with, you know, my family and my friends and, and as well as with my future spouse. It's been hugely helpful to me and I hope it will be to all of you. Until next time. Thanks for listening.